Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the just want to talk to you on the subject of kingdom greatness. Uh, actually, in the beginning of the message, I'm going to talk a little bit on some things that Pastor has already covered. Um, not because he didn't cover them, he already covered them, but I just kind of want to, want to these are some things that I felt like God has spoken to me, and a couple of those things that he's already covered in, in some of the weeks past in this series, I just really feel like that, that they're good things that we need to, to cover. And so, um, I've got some scripture, so bear with me here at the beginning. If you want to go ahead, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have your iPad, iPhone, whatever you have, if you want to go ahead and turn uh, to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And while you're turning there, I will go ahead and pray. In Isaiah 48, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. His word is powerful, it is living, it is active. It stands forever. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in this place today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me, anoint my lips. God is your messenger because without you, I am nothing. So I'm asking that you would anoint me to speak what you have spoken to me uh, and relay the message to your people that you want them to hear. Open every ear, every heart, soften every heart, Lord, that we would hear, understand, and apply the word of God to our lives today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So Matthew chapter 18, who's got it? All right, Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And in, the, in my Bible, at the, subject over, the subject line over this passage says, The greatest in the kingdom. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then if you want, go ahead and turn over to uh, the book of Mark, which is right after Matthew. Mark chapter 9. And all the passages that I'm reading are going to be along the same, the same subject. There's some different passages in different books of the Gospels that talk about the same subject of the greatest in the kingdom. So if you want, you can go ahead and turn over to Mark chapter 9. Starting in verse 33, it says, After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And then again, Jesus addresses them about the kingdom, about kingdom greatness uh, in the next chapter as well. Mark chapter 10. Uh, you don't have to turn to all these passages, but if you would like to. Uh, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. And now we're getting to, getting to the good part now. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do us a favor. Now picture this in your mind, if you will, because in my mind, when I think about this, I am just tripping out because it's funny to me 
I picture that Jesus has just had a long day of ministry and they're still going, you know, it's probably sometime in the afternoon, but they've already had a long day of ministry. He's already been doing miracles. He's already been teaching to people and he's been ministering and he's already probably tired. It's, they're probably already halfway through the day or maybe a little later than that. So they're doing ministry. They're walking down the road and James and John come up to Jesus and they're like, yo, Jesus, do us a favor, man. And Jesus is like, okay, what's that? And they say, we want to be on your right and on your left in the kingdom. Now, to me, it's just funny. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't even, it's just a mind-boggling thing. For, I don't even know what to think. They're talking to Jesus, first of all. This is Jesus, okay? And he's doing ministry. He's working hard, all this stuff. And they come up to him, and they're like, Jesus, hold up. Hold up a second. We need you to do us a favor. Okay. And then they say, we want to sit on the right and on the left of, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to me. So, so let's keep going. So verse 36, he says, what is your request? They reply, we, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Verse 38 says, but Jesus said to them, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism? of suffering that I must be baptized with? Verse 39, oh yes, they replied, we're able. Oh yeah, we'll go to the cross. Oh yeah, we'll suffer. But can you put us on the right and the left in the kingdom? So then Jesus tells them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. And he says, God, has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. It says, when the, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were furious. Because you see, they too wanted, they wanted the seats of honor too. So they were jealous and they were angry that James and John had asked this. And so Jesus called them together and said, you know what the rulers in this world You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. As I told the teenagers on Wednesday, that's straight out of the text. That's straight out of the Bible. So you can't argue with the word of God. I'm not up here telling you, if you want to be great, you want to be successful in life, you better get down here and serve. No, that's the word of God. Jesus told his disciples because they were getting angry and they were arguing, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit on the right and the left? And Jesus said, you better hold up. If you want to be great and you want to be a leader and you want to be successful in life, you better start learning how to serve people. I want to really focus in today on, on, on verses 46 through 52. So we're in the same chapter, Mark chapter 10. And I promise I'm almost done with my scripture. So just bear with me. It's good stuff though. Mark 10, starting in verse 36. This is where it really gets good. Then they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he heard that Jesus was coming, that that he was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And everybody around him saying, be quiet, shut up, man, be quiet. And he yells out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus, I want you to, I want you to notice this because it's important to the message today. He calls Bartimaeus over, blind Bartimaeus, calls him over. And the first thing Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus is this. What do you want me to do for you? And I like it better in another version because in another version, I think it says something along the lines of, what can, what can I do for you? In another version, Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus, he calls him over and he says, what can I do for you? The first question that Jesus asked him was, what can I do for you? It's important for us to remember. So Jesus asked him, what can I do for you? And he says, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He then became a follower of Jesus. But the first question that Jesus asked the blind man was, what can I do for you? I want to talk to you today about kingdom greatness. And it's kind of a broad subject. I'm going to try to cover all this as fast as I can this morning. And in the first point, I want to kind of talk about something that our pastor had touched on a few weeks back. And then after the first point, we're we're going to get into our assignment. What is our assignment? And and, and, and under the subject of kingdom greatness, of, of wanting to be great, of wanting to be a leader in the kingdom of God, wanting to be great in the kingdom of God, what is our assignment? What does that look like? But the first thing I want to talk about before we get into our assignment is number one, kingdom greatness understands that all authority begins and ends with God. Kingdom greatness understands that all authority begins and ends with God. A pastor talked about a few weeks ago that God has given us that power and authority. He's given us everything we need to become a dominant force in our world. But the first thing you need to understand is that all authority begins and ends with God. You didn't start the work, he did. You don't finish the work, he does. All authority begins and ends with God, not you. You see, God is our ultimate source of power and authority. And any time we think that we are greater than God, that, my friends, is when we have lost it. And I'm afraid we've reached a point in society and culture in America today where people have gotten up on this pedestal of, of, to a place where they even think that they themselves are greater than God. And when you reach that point, when you reach, when a person ever gets to the point where they think they are greater than God, they have become their own idol. Let's say that again. If a person ever gets to the point where they think that they are greater than God, they have become their own idol. You see, God did not say in the beginning, here, I'm going to create you, now I'm giving you dominion over the earth, and I'm also giving you dominion over me. That's not what he said. You see, God had a plan. God, God, we serve an intelligent God. He's, he's got everything already planned out. So if you think that you're planning things ahead of him, his plan is, it's, I mean, it's already finished. He's an intelligent God. He's already got everything planned. There, is, there doesn't need to be a plan B or a plan C. It's, 
No, he's, he's got it taken care of. He doesn't need your help. Our job is to serve and to obey him because all authority begins and ends with him. Our power and our authority comes from God. You know, I, I questioned about whether or not even to say this. It's in my notes because I don't want to get off on the wrong track. I don't want to get off on a, on a rabbit trail. But I really felt this rising up as I was studying over this message this weekend. And I feel like the problem with America today is not politics. It is a lack of boundaries and partly authority issues. And the reason I think it's important to say this is because our pastor, again, has already covered this as well. He talked about authority, but he also talked about, and let me say, if you have not listened to the message living with boundaries, you've got to go listen to it. If you have not listened to his message, living with boundaries, you've got to go listen to it. Why am I telling you you need to listen to it? Because it's important to, it's, it's an important principle for, for daily living as a Christ follower. We have to have boundaries. Boundaries are vital to our, to our living. The problem with America today is we've gotten to a point where we don't want boundaries. We don't think that we need boundaries. We don't need anybody putting us in place. We don't need anybody telling us what to do. We are greater and when you reach that point, you're out of control. People in today's society have no respect for authority. They don't want to live with boundaries. The boundaries that have been set in place by those who lived before us are being walked all over right now, all across America. Because we seem to think, well, they didn't know what they were talking about. I'll just create my own boundaries. No, they knew what they were talking about. They were smart people. That's why they set the boundaries in place. Because they knew people are going to need to know this later on in life. They're going to need to have some boundaries to help them live the right way and do the right things. But we've got a generation coming up that thinks they just know everything. Well, we don't need no. I don't need that. (laughs) When we have that kind of attitude, where do we think we're going in life? We want to reach greatness. So we want to be like James and John. Well, I'm going to sit on the right and on the left in the kingdom. But I don't need boundaries. Yeah, you do. You see, and I don't. My my ultimate goal today is not on to step. On, it's not to step on anybody's toes. So, I, I'm not here to offend anybody or to condemn anybody. You see, we've got two groups of people in the world today. We have the religious crowd and we have the liberal crowd. The religious crowd are the people who tend to magnify things that aren't even really issues. They'll pick out something like a piece of paper right there. And see, oh, you see this? Oh, what's what's oh, oh, oh. But what? What did you say? Yeah, I, yeah, it's a, it's a piece of fuzz. Let's throw that in the trash. That's not even an issue. The religious crowd tend to magnify things that aren't even really issues, and they just keep on magnifying until, oh, well, that's an abomination to God. Well, what are you talking about? The religious crowd tend to magnify the things that aren't even really an issue. It could be something that could be solved real easily. It's, 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 it's not a problem. It's, it's okay. Everything's okay. But they magnify it and make it as if it is. See, the religious crowd is full of people who are weighed down and held captive by the chains of religion. They are not tied to a relationship. They are tied to religion. But wait a minute, I'm not through. So if you think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to single one crowd out or I'm trying to single one, I'm not here to single anybody out. But then we have the liberal crowd. 
And the liberal crowd are the people who tend to bulldoze over the boundaries. And sometimes I wonder if they even want anything to even be in place or if they want boundaries at all. They've gone so far to the place that they've completely lost it. So which is it? There's got to be a boundary line. Are we going to be so far over to this side or so far over to this side? Or is there going to be... Does that make sense? Am I making sense here this morning? We've got to have some boundaries in place. Because if we don't have boundaries, if we don't have guidelines to live by, then everybody's just going to be doing their own thing, living out of control. All authority begins and ends with God. And God, in his word, has set up boundaries for us to live by. And if we get to the place where we say, well, I don't need the Bible. That's just another book. I, I don't need that. That's not for me. That's, that's for these people. Well, what are you going to become in life if you don't have some kind of guidelines, some kind of boundaries to help you and teach you? You achieve greatness when you understand that all authority begins and ends with God. Number two, kingdom greatness does not make excuses, it makes a difference. And here's where we're getting into the more of the assignment part. I'll get into that in my third point, but we're getting there, so just bear with me. Kingdom greatness does not make excuses, it makes a difference. Find your area of influence where you can become a dominant force for the kingdom of God. Find a place to serve, find a place to make a difference. Jesus has not called us to sit, he has called us to serve. And here's how I know that this is, was a confirmation this morning. We were talking about it in prayer, and I think Pastor and maybe someone else had said something about this, that God is prepared. God has given us places in the kingdom. And I want to kind of teach on this this morning and explain it a little more. God has prepared for us a place in his kingdom. But until that time, what are we to do now? What is our responsibility on earth? What is our responsibility as the body of Christ, as a Christ follower? What is our responsibility in everyday living, on the job and at the home and in the community and in the schools? What is our responsibility? It's not to sit. Yes, we will sit in the kingdom with him. God has prepared a table and he has prepared a place for us to sit with him at his table in the kingdom. But until then, our job is to serve. Again, notice the verse where Jesus tells blind Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? Where can we find places in the community, on our jobs, in our homes, in our everyday living, where we can ask somebody, what can I do for you? What, what, what can I do for you? What can I do for you, mom? What can I do for you, dad? What can I do for you, teacher? What can I do for you, friend? What, what can I do for you? Not what you can do for me, but what can I do to help you out? And I think when we begin living with that question, instead of always saying, me, 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 what can you do for me? What can he do for me? What can they do for me? What can the school do for me? What can the church do for me? What can my friends do for me? What can my parents? What can you do for them? Because it comes back. The Bible says if you give, it will be given. And and that's not just talking about money and finances. The measure you give and the measure you serve, it will be given back to you. The power of your service could be the provision of someone else's sight. And let me say that in a more simple way. Your willingness to serve could empower or enable others to see. Is that making sense this morning? Your willingness to serve could empower or enable others to see. Because you see, when Jesus came to him, you see, blind Bartimaeus was probably a messy guy. He had a messy life. 
He was messing up everybody. Everybody was saying, be quiet, be quiet. Shut up, shut up. Shh, Jesus is coming. We don't have time for messy people with messy lives. But Jesus said, wait a minute. Tell him, come over here. What can I do for you? Oh, you're healed. When we walk around with the question of what can I do for you, may enable somebody else to see. May give someone else the vision. Oh, I need to get my life right. Not because we went up to it and said, yeah, you better get, get your life right. We're living in the end times, we're going to hell. You're going to go to hell if you don't get your life right. But instead, instead of taking that approach, if you come over and say, what can I do for you? Is there anything I, can I, can I help you clean up? Oh, I see some trash over there on the floor. I'll just pick that up. That's no problem. What can I do for you? When we begin to live with that in mind and asking the question, what can I do for other people? People all of a sudden begin to, huh, well, this person, man, they, they're just a they're one of a kind guy. I tell you what, one of a kind lady. I've never seen somebody that always wants to serve, always wants to help me. Begins to open their eyes to things. Begins to open their eyes and their heart to see, you know what, there is a God. He does love people because I see the love of God in this person over here and this person over here is just shining bright through them. Oswald Chambers said, a man's reach should exceed his grasp. If you're sitting at the table, you're not exceeding your grasp. If you're just sitting at the table looking at everybody else, you're not, you're not doing something that exceeds your ability, your grasp. And when I say sitting at the table, I'm not talking about in a literal sense. I'm talking about a kingdom concept. We're talking about kingdom greatness this morning. If we want to make a difference, we got to do something. we got to get out of our seat. Jesus says to James and John, there will come a time when you will sit at the table with me in the kingdom of God. But until then, what is our responsibility under the calling of kingdom greatness? It's not, it's, it's not to sit at the table. That, that day's coming. That place has already been prepared. We don't even have to think about it, even worry about it. It's already there for us. The table is set up. It's prepared for the feast and everything. It's going to be a party. But until then, what are we going to do until that day comes? We can't just sit around and think, man, I can't wait until Thanksgiving. Oh, big old turkey and butter rolls. And we got we to gotta go on with our lives. We got jobs to do. We got to make a living. It's the same thing with the feast that's going to go in in heaven. We can't just sit here and think about that day. Man, I just can't wait till I get to heaven. And have that big old feast. We got to do something until then. We got to be working. We got to be telling people about Jesus. We got to be loving. We got to be, be serving and, and asking people, what can, we do, what can I do for you? You see, our responsibility and our mission is to see what God can do through us by serving in our areas of influence. In the church, in the community, on our jobs, at the schools. See, another problem with the society today is that everybody wants the microphone over the mission. Hello, somebody. I said everybody wants the microphone the microphone over the mission. Yeah, I'm preaching real good now. Y'all ain't saying nothing, but I know I'm preaching real good. Let me tell you something to every person in this place that thinks, baby, you think you need a platform to have a microphone to, 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 to spread your voice? You don't need a platform. You don't need this microphone. Your voice is getting out in the community and saying, what can I do for you? Can I clean up here? Can I pick up something here? Can I go pick up your kids from school? Can I, can I help you get to, what can I do for you? That right there is your voice. That's your influence, and that will open up other divine opportunities. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a platform. To say what God has put in you to say. God is your platform. 
He is your foundation. And if you'll stand on the word and stand on the concept of kingdom service, the time will come when he will give you another platform to speak on. You see, your legs are the vehicle of your voice because it's what you do, not what you say that speaks loud. Come on, somebody. See, kingdom greatness is not, being up, is not about being up here on a stage or in the spotlight. It's about serving those around you. It is about always reaching for a towel instead of reaching for a title. You say, Jesus always reached for a towel, never for a title. What can I do for you? Pick up a towel, pick up a mop, pick up a whatever. Well-known pastor by the name of John Gray said, you don't need a name tag to serve. I saw a meme one time. I don't remember where I saw it on the internet or something. And it said, called to ministry, question mark. You won't even stack chairs. That reminded me of a lot of stuff I did when I was, I spent like four years in leadership training at a leadership college in Dallas. And you talk about stacking chairs. Let me tell you, we learned how to stack chairs by those four years were over. We learned how to stack chairs. We learned how to pick up. We learned how to throw away. We learned, to, learned how to carry stage sets and stuff for the platform. All we did was physical labor. By the time it was over, stack chairs? Pff, yes, sir, I know how to stack a chair. You give me a chair, I'll stack it, baby. You give me a stack of chairs, I'll unstack it, baby. That ain't no problem. Another guy said, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Sometimes it's, it's easy to confuse serving as work. It's just more work. It's more on my plate. I ain't got time for that. I already work a job, and I, and I just I don't have no free time. To... It's not work. It's mission. It's a lifestyle. When you bake a batch of cookies or homemade bread for the officers of Burke Burnett, you aren't just baking cookies or bread. You're reaching out and handing somebody the love of Jesus. When you pay for a case of Gatorade and we go out and we hand out the Gatorade or even if we just give it to them, we're giving them the love of Jesus. It's not just more work. It's serving the people around us and showing them the love and the power of Jesus. Yes, it does require work, but it's different than a daily job. It is a kingdom greatness is a lifestyle. It is a mission. It is a, a higher purpose. Serving in the kingdom is not just another daily occupation. It is a divine opportunity. You see, some people view life this way. They, they, they think, well, you're highly favored if you get to sit at the table. But if you have to serve, you're just another body. Well, if you'd excuse me for a moment, let me interrupt the, the status quo of society today. You see, it's actually the other way around. If you consider yourself a servant for the cause of Christ, you are highly favorable. You are highly ordained. You are specially orchestrated. You are divinely appointed and God anointed. Some of us need God to change us. We need a change of perspective. You don't have to serve. You get to serve. Some people aren't able to serve. Some people don't have legs. Some people don't have arms. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm I'm just being honest. Some people aren't able to do the the things that... Have you ever stopped and just thank God, God, I, I thank you for the ability to walk today. I thank you for the ability to use my... I thank you for the abilities you've given me. Some people aren't able to do everything that you're able to do. Thank God for it. Use it. Don't just sit on it. You see, just 
You see, just the fact that I am alive today, that I am healthy, that I have the ability to live a free life and serve a great God in America and in a free country, that right there is a privilege and an honor in itself. I can stop right there and I've already preached. We live in a free country. We live in America. We can do whatever we want. We have abilities. We've been given freedom from God. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's awesome. You achieve greatness when you don't make excuses. You just make a difference. I've got to hurry here. Number three, kingdom greatness knows the value of its assignment and gives its life to making sure that it is completed. Kingdom greatness knows the value of its assignment and gives its life to making sure that it is completed. God the Father knew the value of the assignment. That's why he gave his only son so that all might be saved and none would perish. Jesus knew the value of the assignment and that's why he was willing to go to the cross and give up his life. The disciples knew the value of the assignment and they were willing to give their lives up for the cause of Christ. Do you know your assignment this morning? Do you understand the importance of your your assignment as Christ followers? You see, actually everyone's assignment is the same. So we don't all have to sit around here this morning and be confused. Well, what am I supposed to do? And what are they supposed to do? And what is he supposed to do? It's all the same. Our assignment this morning is the same. As Christ followers, we have been given an assignment. It is highly ordained. It is specially orchestrated. It is divinely appointed. It is God-anointed. It is not just any assignment. It is a God-ordained assignment. And that assignment, listen this morning, that assignment is for us to carry Jesus with us everywhere we go. You see, for Mary, that, that assignment was literal. Jesus came to the Virgin Mary and said, or, or an angel of the Lord came to the Virgin Mary and said, you're going to give birth to Jesus. First of all, sir, that's impossible because I'm a virgin. Second of all, you want me to carry the king of kings and the lord of lords in my womb? Are you crazy? So, you see, her assignment was literal, but our assignment is the same as that except for it is mental, it is spiritual, it is emotional. Our assignment is to carry the love, the power, and the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. With everything we do, with everything we say, we are to carry Jesus with us. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And everything you say, let your words carry the presence, power, and love of Jesus. And everything you do, may your actions carry the presence, power, and love of Jesus. May everywhere you go, may you carry the presence, power, and love of Jesus with you. If you believe that God has given you a divine assignment to carry the power, the presence, and the love of Jesus to a lost and broken world, somebody say amen. See, when you step onto the stage of God's purpose for your life, the anointing of God on your life will break every bondage and every barrier that is holding you back. We've got to be where people are this morning in order to carry out. And I know I've covered a lot of things and I've put a lot together in one this morning. So I'm hoping that you're taking something away. But what I want you to to know more than anything I've said this morning is that we are not called to sit, we're called to serve. And in order to carry out that assignment of showing people the love and the power and the presence of Jesus, in order for us to do that, we have to be where people are. You see, one thing we notice about Jesus' life and his ministry is he he could always be located where people were. He could always be located where people were. We've got to be where people are. 
if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to change lives, if we're going to minister to people, if we're going to, to carry out the assignment that God has called us to carry out. Don't get comfortable sitting. Get comfortable serving. What, what is stopping us this morning from asking the question, what can I do for you? What, what, what's stopping you this morning? For many of us, it's messy people. It's messy situations. Did I mention that kingdom greatness many times requires us to deal with messy people and messy situations? Three things that tend to stop us from from carrying out our assignment are convenience, comfort, and control. We're too busy. If we're not careful, we can get so caught up with our own agenda that we forget our assignment. See, you'll know you're too busy when messy people are inconveniences rather than opportunities. Number two, comfort. Comfort is a reason that stops us from doing from, from carrying out our assignment. We love comfort. How many loves to sit on the couch and watch NFL football on Sunday morning? Somebody say amen. Because when I think about sitting on the couch watching NFL football on Sunday morning, I feel the anointing. I love it. That's my zone. My zone is Sunday mornings. Come to church eat some lunch, and watch NFL football. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff. You see, comfort is a great place for us to recuperate, but it's not a great place to live because not much happens in our comfort zone. See, not much happens when I'm on the couch watching football. In fact, nothing happens. I'm just sitting there. I'm watching football. Not much is going to happen when you're in your comfort zone. You spend too much time in your comfort zone, life starts to become boring. See, that's why people are becoming bored with church because they're spending too much time in their comfort zone. See, the opposite of boredom is not entertainment, it's engagement. Entertainment is fun, but it doesn't last very long. The real solution to boredom is engagement. Get engaged. Get engaged in your community, in your church, in your families, in the schools. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? It's, it's, it's getting that to become a mindset, to become a lifestyle, to become part of our mission, the mission of God. If we insist on comfortable, boredom and mediocrity are inevitable. Last thing is control. When we're moving towards the messy people with big problems, we are no longer in control. We don't like to give up control of our time, control of our resources. We love control. We love to control the outcome. See, God does not want you to control people. He wants you to love people where they are. People are not projects. What is stopping us this morning? Is it inconvenience? Is it comfort? Is it control? See, the truth is God will still be in control even when we're not. God uses messy people with messed up lives to help other messy people. Closing this morning, what would happen if we decided to make time for the messy people that God brings into our lives? What would happen? What is stopping us this morning? Service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burke Burnett, Texas. 
And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after River. Till I found myself.